You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Does God seem silent to you right now in your life? Has it been a while since God has spoken to you? You pray, but the heavens seem to be made of iron. It doesn't seem to bring down anything from heaven. That is your prayers. Okay, well, if that's your situation, what then should you do? Well, like Noah, just keep on keeping on. Be obedient. Wait for God. As popular a story as Noah's Ark is, we often forget that he waited an entire year for the land to be dry enough for him and his family to leave the ark. There was no getting around it. He had to wait. Today, Pastor Mike offers us encouragement for when we go through similar seasons. We all have times when we just have to wait for God to change our circumstances. But even when we feel stuck, we can rest in the faith that God will never forget us and that He will ultimately work everything for our good. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 8 as he continues his message, God Remembers. worship the Lord and praise God when things have gone from bad to worse. But listen, God is also in the business of rest, but you got to hang in there in feast or famine. Let me give you another cross-reference, also from another one of the minor prophets in the book of Amos in chapter 9 in verses 13 and 14. And here Amos is looking ahead to the days of restoration. Things were bad in Israel at this particular time. God's people had already been carried off into the captivity. And so Amos is referring to and prophesying about the restoration of the nation of Israel, them coming back together as a people. And in Amos chapter 9 and verses 13 and 14, he says, Behold, the days are coming, saith the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. So what's our position here? Listen, no matter what's going on in your life, just continue to be faithful unto the Lord. Trust in him. Have hope in him. He hasn't brought you this far to bail out on us now. So anyway, this is the first way that God had remembered Noah. The second way that God remembered 
Noah was that he gave him a sign. So if you're taking notes, write that down. God gave Noah a sign. Now, in this case, it had to do with the sending out and return of a dove. You see, Noah wanted to see if things were dry enough to leave the ark. And so what did he do? He sent out these birds to test the environment. Okay, let's pick up in our story now in verses 7 through 12. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her feet, and she returned into the ark to him. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. And so he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. So the dove was sent out until finally the bird returned no more. Now, what was this sign that I'm referring to here? God gave Noah a sign. The sign was that the judgment that God sent upon the face of the earth was now over. And in this progression, the dove with the olive branch was a symbol of peace. God, in other words, the idea here, the picture here was that God was once again at peace with mankind. Now, in a similar way, God gives signs to his people today. Let's bring this down to personal terms. This is the way that he went about speaking to Noah, encouraging Noah, remembering Noah. But what he did for Noah, he will do for any of us as well. So in a similar manner, God gives signs to his people even today. And they are extremely personal confirmations. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been going through a flood experience? You're tempted to feel abandoned? And then God gives you a sign. And in giving you a sign, if you think about it, the idea there is to let you know that he's still around, that he's still concerned about every facet of your life. And in giving you that sign, he assures you that what you are going through is not by chance, but rather it's a part of a wise, loving plan. Now, how does he go about doing that? What kind of a sign are we talking about? Well, there's a bunch of different ways. Sometimes he'll speak to us or he'll give us a sign through his word. You know, maybe there's someone here that's going through a really dry period in their life's experience. And so God has brought you here to hear this message. As I mentioned, if that's you, remember in the opening statement, well, then this message is for you to put some kind of hope in your heart. So many times, often, in fact, frequently as believers, God speaks to us through the study of the word, right? And it just tells it to speak specifically to you. 
And God, only God has that capacity to be able to do that. He'll take a text of scripture and he'll tailor it to speak to this person in that way and to this person over here in another way altogether. But nevertheless, at the same time, both individuals are being ministered to. I'm hoping that every one of you are being ministered to. So that's one of the ways. Or how about this? Consider this. The results of our situation. I mean, things dramatically changing for us. And the only explanation that we can offer is through putting God behind it. I mean, things have radically changed overnight, right? We've gone from darkness to light, right? From complaining and murmuring to praise and worship and joy. How do you explain that? In just an instant, overnight. The only way that you can explain it is by putting God behind it. You thought light's out. You thought that there was no hope whatsoever, that things were just going to continue on the way that they've been going on for that extended period of time. You were just waiting for things to go from, as I mentioned before, bad to worse. But all of a sudden, our situation has changed. Or how about this? Another way that God speaks to us is through our character. You know, he allows us to go through a really difficult time. And the reason for that is he's proving us. He's testing us. He's changing us from the inside out. He's building virtue into our lives. You know what's happened? The the master potter has got us on the wheel. We're that lump of clay. And he's molding us and shaping us. And sometimes it's extremely hard and difficult in that process. But nevertheless, we're changing, right? And that's just one of the ways that God speaks to us. Or how about winning someone to Christ, right? We're going through a really difficult time or whatever, and, and God uses that as a, an opportunity, as a divine setup to speak to someone, to encourage someone, and the result of which is, hey, you know, we win that person to Christ. Maybe you're going through something extremely difficult right now, and, and all of a sudden God moves someone across your path who's going through a similar situation. You just went through it and came out of it. You're now on the other side of it, and you have the opportunity to be able to minister to that person and administer until that person receives Christ. There's so many different ways that God speaks to us, right? There's so many ways that God remembers us. And these are just some of the ways. Listen, we're not always spared from our distress because he has a purpose in such things for ourselves and for others. He remembers God remembers, and also, take this into account, all things work together for good. Now, there's a third way that God remembered Noah, and that was simply, he spoke to him again. Okay, let's go back to our text. Let's pick up now in verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and so they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And then we read, So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife, his sons' wives with him, every animal, creeping thing, bird, whatever creeps on the earth, according to the families. They went out of the ark. Now, up until this point, as I've already suggested, it's been a year, right? 
without a word, God speaking to Noah. Noah was probably wondering, why isn't God speaking to me? But at last, he did. And Noah, therefore, knew he was remembered. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Let's bring this down to personal terms. How does this apply to you and me? Does God seem silent to you right now in your life? Has it been a while since God has spoken to you? You pray, but the heavens seem to be made of iron. It doesn't seem to bring down anything from heaven. That is your prayers. Okay, well, if that's your situation, what then should you do? Well, like Noah, just keep on keeping on. Be obedient. Wait for God. This may be a time of testing and proving for you. You know, I found this to be true. You know, for new Christians, when a person first gives their life to Christ, God seems to be with that person in ways that are unique to a new believer. And I think that's what it takes, you know, to kind of get them onto that straight and the narrow and to keep them on it, going on that path for an extended period of time. But then there comes a time in our Christian experience where God says, okay, now we're going to walk by faith. Okay, now we're going to walk by faith. And it's not that he's not there any longer, but he withdraws the sense of his presence so that we'll learn how to walk by faith. It's a time of testing. It's a time of proving. He sort of like is asking of us, okay, so now that I'm not causing everything to fall exactly in the place the way that you hoped they would immediately, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to walk with me? Are you going to continue to be faithful? So if what you're going through right now seems as if it's a real silent time in your experience with God, hey, you know what? It may be a time of testing. It might be a time of proving you. And, but think about this. You will obey God best if you have been practicing obedience during the dark hours. And that's so very, very true. If you just hang in there and continue to be obedient. You know, it's real easy to praise the Lord, hallelujah, when everything, as I mentioned before, is falling into place. But when it's really difficult, are you hanging in there or are you slipping out the back door? You see, there's the difference between the two. Now, what I'm about to share with you may be the most remarkable part of this story altogether. Okay, we have been talking about how God remembers, which shouldn't be a real surprise to any of us, because we know that God is faithful. It's a part of his nature to remember his people. The Bible declares he remembered Abraham. The Bible declares that he remembered Rachel in her barrenness. The Bible tells us that God remembers the afflicted, that God remembers those of low estate, the fatherless, the widows. So then, pastor, what's the marvel all about? We know that God remembers. Well, the marvel here in this story is not so much that God remembered, is that Noah remembered. You say, what am I talking about? Well, let's go on in our text. In verse 20, we read, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord 
and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings upon the altar. Now we're talking about the sin offering. And remember, in one of our past messages, I had shared with you that God had already given to Adam and Eve and their children the prescribed ways in which they were to worship him and also to offer the various offerings, particularly the sin offering. So here in verse 20, Noah is coming to God once again as a sinner and in the way that had been appointed. Now, why so surprised? You know, what's the issue here? What's the point that I'm trying to make? Well, it's not our nature to remember God or his goodness. There's not a lot within us that lends itself to our being like that, especially in being delivered from something in our lives when we're flushed with relief and joy. It's so easy to forget God. You know, we've been praying, oh, God, bail me out. Lord, get me out of this one. Oh, God, provide this. And he does. And then we go our way. We're so excited. We're full of joy. Things have changed. Joy in the morning. But we forget who it was that provided those things for us. You know, one of the classical stories that Jesus told us that relates to this particular subject is recorded for us in Luke's Gospel in chapter 17 in verses 11 through 19. And it's the story about the healing of the ten lepers. Are you familiar with that story? It's found and recorded for us in Luke's Gospel in chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. And there we are told, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, that is Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now they had to stand afar off because they were required by the Levitical law to stand afar off. They weren't to have any contact with people who hadn't been lepers themselves. I mean, this was a very infectious disease. And so they were required by Levitical law to stand afar off. They had no connection with the masses of people whatsoever. They lived outside of that society, okay? Mostly they would be found on the dung heap, and they would, they would eat off the dung heap, and they were found in these colonies of other lepers, and, but they weren't found in the general population. So that's why the writer here tells us that these lepers stood afar off because they were required to do that according to the Levitical law, Leviticus chapter 13. Anyway, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, now remember, there's 10 of them here in this story. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, that is at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You see, Noah was exactly like this one 
of the ten lepers. That instead of just reveling in happiness, I'm free. I mean, think about what was going on in Noah's mind right then and there. A year on that ark, everyone else had perished in the flood. He and a few members of his family only survived that judgment of God. God was going to do a brand new thing over again, repopulate the earth. What a prospect. What hope, right? How exciting it must have been. And rather than just reveling in happiness, thinking I'm free at last, what did Noah do? He built an altar to thank and honor God. You know, folks, take some time out. When God speaks to you, ministers to you, provides for your need, you know, when you're flushed with victory, all excited, right? When you're reveling in your own joy and happiness, I've been set free. Take some time out to go back to the Lord. You know, build your own altar, if you will, and just spend some time at that altar worshiping God and thanking him. You know, the Bible exhorts us in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12 and verse 1 that we are to remember God now in our youth. In our youth, when everything is so exciting, right? Everything is right in front of us. We have all of these expectations. Hey, don't forget God. Then another place in the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 51 and verse 50, also addresses the same subject of being thankful unto the Lord. And there, Jeremiah tells us, in a distant land, remember God. You know, when we're carried off, as it relates to Jeremiah, when they were carried off into the captivity, they were to remember God. Why was it so important for them to remember God when they had been carried off into the captivity? Because of the, all of the ungodly influences that surrounded them. You know, this exhortation should apply to us more today than ever before. When we are surrounded with opportunities for ungodliness, right? Christians are in a minority. There's so many opportunities to sin. There's so many opportunities for temptation. Everywhere we turn, remember God. Remember God in your youth. Remember God in a distant land. This is more needful than ever before. Why? Because we are surrounded by temptation. We are surrounded by sin. We are surrounded by ungodliness. And we are surrounded by the devil. We must remember the Lord. So, what do we need to do? Well, we need to just simply hang in there. We need to worship God to the end in life, in death, in sickness, in health, at home, or away. And listen, the God who remembers will be your joy and your comfort both now and in this life to come. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis, where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. God made animals on land and in the sea, and he said that it's good. And then... God made man, and he said that it is very good. 
creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what He does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.